You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Shall we stay, amen? Uh, welcome, friends. Really, really glad to be with you this morning. And Bill, Bill White, one of the pastors here at City Church. Uh, welcome to our friends. We're on Zoom. Uh, really glad you're with us. Friends, wherever you are, Zoom at home. Um, some of you from across the nation. So, welcome. We at City Church, we're a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, uh, joining Him in the renewal of all things. That's what we're about. And we're glad to be doing it together with you. Glad to be on that journey. That's, that's who we are. So, uh, just a, a few housekeeping details. Uh, particularly for those of us who are here each week, uh, we have new friends uh, joining us, and so we like to talk about bathrooms. Uh, I don't know, they're important. So there is a bathroom here, uh, straight through the auditorium door, up the steps to the left, you'll see that bathroom. There's also a couple of bathrooms around here. Uh, you'll see they're open with a deadbolt, and so you can go in, close the door, lock it behind you, but when you leave, you'll deadbolt it open. So be available for the person behind you. Yeah, if you need to move around to get a little bit more shade, pick up a chair, uh, whatever. If, uh, if we have more folks show up, Rod, you can go inside and find some little chairs, little people chairs, and bring those out so that a couple people can grab some seats. That's fine, uh, I think that's. I think that's it. Brenna Rubio, our other fearless co-pastor. Yeah, give it up for her. I got two weeks in a row off of the bathroom announcement. This is like super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little tired. As much as I know it's an important part of hospitality, just to be the basics of where the bathrooms are. Um, guys, we are so excited to have you here with us. We have been uh, just kind of launching into a new series uh, that I think is really kind of touched a, a felt need for many of us. We're thinking about ancient wisdom and happiness science. And, and the reality is our sense of happiness, of well-being, of flourishing, uh, it, it's definitely taken a hit over the last year and a half, right? And for some of us, you know, it goes long before that. And so we are so excited to continue that series. But today we're going to take a little pause. Because today we have um, just an awesome opportunity to hear from a guest speaker who Bill is going to introduce in just a couple minutes. But the thing is, when you have a guest speaker come in, a guest preacher, we could be the ones who say, hey, here's what we want you to preach on. Or if we do something much more fun and say, hey, you tell us what we need to hear. And so we're doing another little dip back into a, a series that we started last spring where we just kind of said to whoever was going to preach, hey, you tell us, what is the sermon? you always wanted the church to hear. Uh, and so that's what we're gonna be doing this morning. And we are so excited just to be able to open it up that way. Um, before Bill introduces our preacher for the morning, we do wanna say a special word of blessing for our kids. And so kids, we just want you to know that we are excited that you are here, you are so loved. And so I just wanna uh, pray for you real quick before we send you, if you would like to go to your special story time over here. Kids are always welcome to remain here and just kind of hang out with all of us, but we do have a special place prepped uh, if that would be a, a better option for your family. All right, let's pray for our kids. God, thanks for the little ones among us. Thanks for the ways that they just um, 
they remind us of you, your gentle heart, um, your innocence, your passion, your hopefulness. God, would you help us just to be people who see and love them? Uh, we think especially of the kids who are gathering this week at, here at Lafayette Elementary. Would you be with them and with their families? God, thanks for remembering the little ones among us, even us in the places where we feel small. God, you're so good. We love you. Amen. All right, kiddos, if you would like to, you can go over with Miss Niani for a story time today. Um, so, my friend Barack Bawani, you come on up, Barack. Come on now, welcome this man. Welcome to this man. So, Barack, it's like, like a long time. At least like 10, 11. Yeah, for a long, long time, yeah, too yeah, long, yeah, too yeah. long. Um, so, we've known each other a long time because I've known Barack's wife for, how long did you work for? Too long. <laughs> Definitely too long. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we've known each other a long time, and uh, so we've been friends. We've been walking together now once a month for a long time. Yeah. And uh, so we've been friends, and uh, Barack's been in ministry for since nineteen ninety five. You're dating yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so Barack's been around. He's been around. He's been around for a while, but, uh, and just, uh, just a good man, just a good man, and we're super grateful to have him. Uh, Barack's been also been a friend to City Church for years. When we did our side-by-side -side, uh, seminar a number of years ago, Barack uh, helped us with that, was, was part of the leadership team, part of the conversation team with that. Our side-by-side -side seminar um, was when we invited some friends from around the city to hear uh, both the conservative approach to LGBT uh, inclusion in the church and the progressive approach to LGBT inclusion in the church. Uh, it was a fruitful conversation, uh, and Barack was a part of that team. We appreciate you there a number of other times. So uh, he's also done a lot of cooking for our church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which we appreciate. He runs City Catering out of uh, Compton, and uh, he also runs how many nonprofits? I just run one. I sit on the board. I sit on the board for another. I think you're lying to me. I, I, I feel like four, but whatever, whatever. That's fine. Um, but anyway, so he's going to preach to us today, which I'm super grateful for. So Judy Kim, uh, would you come up and read scripture for us from Second Corinthians? Uh, so welcome Judy for us today. And uh, yeah, so here's our scripture today. Second Corinthians. Uh, 12, 7 through 10. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. People of God, this is the word of God. Thank you. 
What up, people? How y'all doing? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, I'm going to jump right in because Bill told me that I only had 15 minutes originally. Seems a bit discriminatory, seeing that he knows I'm a black preacher. But I'm going to do the best that I can. So the sermon I always wanted to hear. So many, but I have to pick one. So that's what I did. So I always wanted the preacher to stand up in the pulpit. I'm from CME, that's Christian Methodist Episcopalian, which is, is that good? Okay. Which is really black Catholic. Nobody calls it that, but that's really what it is. Black Catholic. So that's where I grew up. And I always wanted the preacher to stand up in the pulpit and say, on today, church. I will be speaking on the topic of, and the topic is the fear of being myself. How hard is it to be you? The fear of being myself. That's what I always wanted to hear. I wanted to hear someone get up and be transparent. I've heard so many sermons about fear, but none about the fear of self-discovery. Who am I becoming? What is God unearthing in me? I know I'm made in his image, right? So what does that look like? There is a reason that the phrase fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. Some would say fear is a daily reminder. I wanted somebody to talk about the fear of being myself. So I'm from Oakland, I'm from the town, that's what we call it, we call it the town, if you're in the Bay Area, San Francisco is the city, I'm from both, I was born in the city, then I moved to the town, and as I became a teenager, I noticed more and more the things that I really cared about was how people were treated. Social justice became like the theme for my life. And from protesting before Oakland's Board of Education to feeding patients with HIV and AIDS who are dying every day in the Tenderloin in San Francisco, something magically spiritual happened inside of me when this way of doing life became my mantra. I felt energized giving back. I felt seen and I felt closest to God. These were my people. Students who didn't get the extracurriculars that they needed, and gay people who had to fight for legislation to deal with the growing AIDS pandemic in the Bay Area. That's where I felt most comfortable. During my late teens and early 20s, I began to feel severe social anxiety. But I didn't know it back then. Y'all ever been there? You didn't even know you had anxiety. And then you look back and you're like, oh, I was jacked up. <laughs> and I had to numb myself. I would make jokes, sometimes inappropriate. I would drink, I would smoke weed because I was afraid to be honest about who I was and who I was becoming. So this choleric, um, outgoing, I would say, social justice, nerdy, straight A student began the process of dimming my light. Dim. 
dim. Anybody dim your light because you just weren't comfortable with who you were becoming? So nobody would know. I was dimming my light so that nobody would know that the gay community was indeed my community in whom I was and am well pleased. Living in shame, I was afraid to be me. I was just a teenager. Have you ever been inauthentic? Have you ever been a fraud? Have you ever been a chameleon, a fake? This is the sermon. I always wanted to hear the pastor preach. Somebody say amen. I couldn't be the only one fighting myself. I said there had to be somebody else who was fighting like I'm fighting. Somebody else who did not know if they should be. I remember, um, so like I said, I'm from Oakland. Uh, we went to play tennis every Saturday. So tennis is my thing. Um, and I used to go with my best friend, who was white and female, and was gay, but I didn't know at the time, and she didn't know what I was going through. So we were just hanging out with one another, and we would walk by the uh, basketball court. None but brothers. <laughs> Shooting, right? Shooting. Here I come with my tennis racket. <laughs> and my white uh, female friend, and we just bopping along, and we go, we have to walk through the basketball court in order to get to the tennis court. Needless to say, you can think about all the names, you can think about all the phrases, everything. And it was so lonely and we would both just look at each other like this, like, what's going on? Lots of denial, fear of rejection, suicidal thoughts, lying, crack cocaine addiction, fornication, drinking, overeating, all this while attending an Ivy League college back east. Avoiding and doubting that God loved me for who I was. But I believe that God hated me. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt that God hated you? I believe he hated the way I looked the way I felt, have you ever thought that? The thoughts in my head about being romantically intimate with both men and women, I thought he hated that too. I was trained to believe that God had taken his salvation away from me because I liked men and women. I foolishly thought I needed to conform to this broken world's way of thinking. The complete opposite of Romans 12, right, which teaches us not to conform to this world. I thought I was always in trouble with God and needed his approval to love people I was attracted to. I would always have the picture of the parent in my head of having the belt when you come into the room. That's what God looked like to me. 
Being bisexual felt like a death sentence, and I became secretly angry towards him because I thought him to be a liar. But I showed up every Sunday, every Sunday, to praise him because I believed the hype. How could God love me when he makes me feel like this? All of his preachers and teachers would use the word of God to condemn me, not to uplift me. They would say, deny yourself. You're not worthy. They would say, oh, it's the sin we condemn, but we love you. That sounds real healthy, right? <laughs> you condemn the very thing that defines me as a person. They said, in order to be accepted by God, you must be celibate, celibate, or marry a woman. So I did, twice. First time I cheated and destroyed her life and mine. And the second time, I was honest about who I was and the marriage is bearing extraordinary fruit. And I'm so grateful to God. My marriage allows me to stand here and to testify to God's faithfulness and his grace. Not only is my wife dope, but so is my God. So the scripture that was read earlier, the reason why I'm here today is because I want to talk about the Kairos moment that I had when I was reading the scripture. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. This is Paul talking in Corinthians. Three times. Therefore, I will boast to take it away from me. Excuse me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Say that with me. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made, in weak, made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. But when I am weak, that's right, come on now. I am what? Strong. Am I saying that being bisexual is a thorn in my flesh? Definitely not. That's not what I'm talking about. If it were, I would have been, it would have been tormenting me. My bisexuality is not the thing that's tormenting me. The way that people respond to my bisexuality is tormenting me. The pride that I have, check this out. I care more about what people thought than about what God was doing through me. But I couldn't distinguish between the two because of the bad place that the word was coming from. It was coming from a very toxic place. It was coming from, to, coming from a place of condemnation and destroying me. I couldn't distinguish between the two. My boss told me when I was, I was a principal for a long time, and my boss told me upon exit, 
You know, he gets a little sit down. He says, you know what? You know what your one problem is? And I said, no, I was young, naive. I didn't know. He says, you care too much about what people think about you. And I never put together that that's pride. That's pride. When you care what other people think about you, you care about how you look. You care about what you're projecting, right? And so you become so wrapped up in the idea of yourself that you actually are able to receive things that are not good. The way that people respond to, to who I was was tormenting me, even conforming to a white majority, white male evangelical interpretation of the Bible. Ruined my life and dang near killed me several times. Conforming to the ideals of you cannot be a black gay male in a black Christian community kept me hidden, compliant, and living beneath my dreams and my aspirations. There's one thing I want to share with you. Know where your torment is coming from. It's a messenger of Satan was delivering the torment. Couldn't be from God. Had to be from outside. The other part of the scripture that stands out is the word sufficient. Everybody say sufficient. For him to be sufficient, I must be insufficient. Man, that just, just doesn't sound good, right? But that's the truth, right? For God to be sufficient, I must be insufficient. My boy, Al, told me a story last night about the Navajo people, about the women who quilt. And they make these beautiful quilts, patterns, could possibly look like the shirt I'm wearing in some shape, form, or fashion. But the key to the story was what he told me at the end. He says, the quilt is beautiful, but they intentionally do something to make it imperfect so that it becomes sacred. Because in order for it to be sacred, there has to be an interaction between the imperfect and the perfect. And so you want God to come in and make the actual item sacred, but you need God. You need the perfection in order to make the imperfection full and complete. I love that story. For him to be sufficient, I must be insufficient. I delight in my weaknesses, my insults, my persecutions, my difficulties, for when I am weak, I am strong. All these attacks on my identity, some from myself, some from others, I need to take joy in that? To experience God's power and God's grace? That's what the scripture is saying. We have to be willing to step into those deep, dark places and know that taking joy in that, that that's when you get to, into the intimate and the deep place with God. That's when the transformation takes place. When we realize that we are insufficient and that we need his sufficiency. 
When the human comes to a place where the human can completely surrender human thought and action to God completely, that's when the depth of grace is felt. Somebody say amen. If only we could live here. No judging. No boxes. No time limits. No income minimums. No colorism. No race requirements. No inequities. No arguments. No homophobia. No motives. No hate. That's where we need to live. That's a hard place for people to live. Come on, y'all. That's a hard place for people to imagine. But that's the gospel. That's what's freeing. That's what's pulling us together. Not dividing us. That's where God's grace is truly felt. And the scripture says, when I feel like that, that's when I'm strong. Only something that is imperfect can have a need for something perfect. Only something insufficient can have a need for something all sufficient. So now I know that anything that causes me to doubt my self-worth and deny the complex creation of my being is the actual messenger of Satan. Not from my Father God, who he sent his son to love me. The revelation that I had is this. Y'all might fight me on it, and that's fine. But the revelation of man handpicking which Bible verses he will allow and enforce to suit his fancy is destroying the fulfillment of the law that Jesus speaks of. What do I mean by that? For example, check this out. When is the last time you've heard this preach? Anyone who uses the Lord's name in vain should be reprimanded in stone. That's Leviticus 24, 16. So every time we use the Lord's name in vain, we should be stoned, right? We're following it. That's what it says. And finally, right, the death penalty for anyone um, who uses, excuse me, finally the death penalty for anyone who engages in the same-sex relations, that's Leviticus 20.13. So which one of these makes the cut? There's more, too, about women, about children being disobedient. You're supposed to kill them, too. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. You're supposed to kill your disobedient children. So which scriptures do we choose? Which scriptures do we use? Because for some reason, somebody has told us that you can use these over here, but you can't use these over here. I wonder who those people are. Who gets to decide who lives and who dies? If we're honest with ourselves, we all have questions about some of the stories in the Old Testament. I don't know if you do, but I do. And could it be that man is just imperfect and insufficient? Could it be that? I have buried several students as a principal who have killed themselves because 
because they no longer could exist as themselves. They felt that I was too gay, so I'm going to take these pills and I'm going to OD. I can't tell you how many caskets I've been to. And I was like, if this is God, I don't want any part of it. You can keep your religion. You can keep your false promises. When you look at somebody who is young and they kill themselves because of how somebody has thought about them, So I began to reignite my life of social justice in the name of Jesus Christ, not in the name of Barack Obama. My studies in the Word of God leads me to the Psalms where the poor, the widows, the orphans, those forgotten and overlooked because they don't fit in, are most important in God's eyes. These are the songs of David. This is their gospel. The black gay choir director, this is your gospel. This is our salvation. The woman who can now preach, run her own church, this is your gospel. To know that Jesus Christ is ridiculous, ridiculously in love with this particular group of people has freed me to believe again that God loves me for who I am. And he will never bring shame upon me for being that. His grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in my weakness. So, I was going to get up here and prove to you that God loves gay people, but I decided not to do that. I'm not doing hermeneutical backflips over a topic that people will debate even after I'm dead. I don't have time for that nonsense. Why should I have to prove to the conservative right or the liberal left that I deserve the same gospel that the people in charge of, charge of the church enjoy? That's somebody else's message, somebody else's mountain to climb. You can have that. But I wanted to let you in on a little insight because I know there's a lot of hate for bisexual folk. Being bisexual allows me to see the beauty of the male and the female separately and complementarily. Being bisexual empowers me to feel feminine pain and masculine pain. Feminine love and masculine love all at the same time. It compels me to fight for equity and justice through a lens of forgiveness and reconciliation, sprinkled with a little bit of empathy and compassion. I live in a constant duality. I see everyone in Jesus and Jesus in everyone. I have both feminine and masculine energy all day. And you know what? It's good. I typically find the good in people before I find the bad if I'm having a really good day. And I see people as perfectly imperfect. They matter. Everybody matters. 
even the haters. And everybody deserves God's love. So my sermon today is meant to release the captives, to set us free from our self-bondage and worldly bondage. I love this scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Isaiah 61. I no longer want to misappropriate God's wisdom. When you have knowledge that God gives you, it could be abusive if you don't use it in the right way. And I think that's a challenge for the church is be careful how you use God's wisdom because it can abuse, destroy, and hurt people. And it'll take them years, years of therapy and recovery to come back. So I wrote these little notes to myself that I'm right, that I'm gonna say to you, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Speak life over who you are. Stop quenching the Holy Spirit inside of you. Believe that God loves you the way that he has created you and stop looking for validation from people who may never understand or love you. Look to God and surround yourself with people who will tell you biblical truths that challenge and encourage you towards holiness. So what does weakness look like in you? What does imperfection look like in you? What's that thing you struggle with? That pride. Maybe you're not like me and you care about what other people think. What is your thing? What is your thing? What is your thorn in the flesh that God could possibly be using to bring you into a deep, intimate place with him. And just in case, I have lived my life incorrectly and made the mistake of loving my black bisexual self so I can in turn love others authentically. I submit to you this, his grace is still sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. I think that's 15 minutes. <laughs> that's my time.